a more serious story, and it comes from Canadian Press initially. That's where I learned about it. Uh, the headline says, Solitary Confinement Bill Passes in the Senate with Changes Supported by 100 Lawyers. Um, a bill that aims to end solitary confinement has passed in the Senate with a number of amendments, including adding judicial oversight to decisions about isolating prisoners, more supports, supports for inmates with mental illnesses, and community-based options for rehabilitating Indigenous people and members of other vulnerable populations. Now it will be up to the Liberal government to decide whether to accept the proposed changes. More than 100 legal experts say that without these amendments, the bill would be unconstitutional if it's passed. The background is that last October, uh, Ralph Goodale, the public safety minister, announced Bill C-38, which would end the practice of segregating federal prisoners who pose risks to security or to themselves. However, he also, the bill also created new structured intervention units uh, where prisoners who posed risks would go, where they're supposed to get better programs in mental health care and more contact with other people. But in their letter, the lawyers say they believe these new units are solitary confinement under a different name, a concern that has been echoed by a number of human rights organizations. Uh, Joining us now to uh, talk about this sort of important issue is Joseph Newberger, 640 Toronto's legal expert and criminal defense lawyer with Newberger and Partners. Welcome to the show, Joseph. Thank you very much. Um, So so it, it sounds like the Senate has come up with amendments that would make this thing constitutional. It seems so. Uh, the real challenge with the new legislation was really a superficial sort of change because the structured intervention termination was really the same as solitary confinement. It, it didn't mean much, and there was just extended time for prisoners to be out. But what it did not provide, and really was at the crux of the argument of those who challenged this legislation and said it would not be constitutional, is that there's no hard limits on isolation or separation of inmates, which leads to all sorts of mental health issues and suicide, etc. So with the amendments now and judicial oversight, there is a way to seek redress on behalf of an inmate who may be spending time in isolation, which is far beyond what would be appropriate and frankly constituting uh, cruel and unusual punishment. And by putting in amendments like this, the uh, Senate is hopefully structuring it in such a way that it will meet constitutional muster. Now, I, I mean, you mentioned there uh, cruel and unusual punishment and some of the the things that happen w- with extreme isolation. I guess I just, uh, for a lot of listeners out there who, uh, you know, know about prison mostly through uh, pop culture and movies and whatnot, they, I'm sure they think of solitary confinement as like, oh yeah, obviously that's part of what happens in prison, especially for the bad guys or whatever. Um, like, h- how has it dawned on us and, and why uh, that, that it's actually uh, not an acceptable way, even when we're dealing with hardened criminals? Yeah, I mean, solitary confinement has been used for a number of offenders, and it's not just those who are the most dangerous of offenders, but others who may pose some uh, risks to other inmates at the time or maybe posing management issues. So there is a real spectrum of who is put into isolation. That's one thing. So it's not just for those who, you know, the public might think are the worst of the worst. Second, um, you know, there was a recent coroner's inquest which ruled a certain death to be, as they do it in the inquest, a homicide. It was a suicide as a result of being in indefinite solitary confinement. And there are very cogent 
studies that individuals who are in prolonged solitary confinement suffer extreme uh, emotional hardship, they develop mental illness, they become quite sick, suicidal, and it's torture. And when you rob an individual, no matter how difficult they are as a person, being an offender, when you rob them of social interaction and time to be out to go for a walk or just to do something within the confines of a jail, it has a very deleterious impact on their mental health, and it does become cruel and unusual punishment. And any civil society uh, is really measured by the way we deal with our prisoners, and uh, we cannot go to a, a standard which inflicts on them this type of punishment, this type of torture, in my opinion. And so it's important to have balance, even though we are dealing with offenders who are quite serious risks to the community. All right. So, um, uh, you know, in these proposed changes to the law, how, how, do, how do we sort of balance uh, the risks that inmates may pose and whatnot uh, with the, the need to not treat them inhumanely, like the, so completely brutally? Like what, what how do you re- put those... Uh, those, <laughs> sorry, I'm trying to formulate the question, but I think you get the gist. It's like, how, how do you balance those two things? Yeah, so I, I think, you know, first of all, there needs to be, you know, once this is passed, and if it does pass muster, I mean, there needs to be stronger guidelines and regulations to uh, prison authorities as to how to deal with inmates and for how long uh, they should be in isolation and for what reasons. And there needs to be constant reassessment. And then these individuals will have right to counsel to seek redress in the courts for judicial oversight, and um, I think that there's a way to balance it very, very easily. And I think also that we have to take a little bit more of an enlightened approach to dealing with management of these individuals by behavior modification programs and and trying to introduce more resources to dealing with um, programs directed at their risk. Uh, Because the reality is our, our system, both provincially and federally, is very strained financially. And there needs to be greater access. And I'm I'm just saying this myself. Mm -hmm. In the prisons, there needs to be greater access to mental health resources, to anger management programs, to other type of cognitive behavior programs to assist inmates uh, in in living in uh, the inmate community and dealing with their particular issues. So when this bill talked about greater access to mental health resources, we're also talking about a more robust system to assist them with uh, behavior therapy, um, to mental health uh, issues, and this is a very important process. And so it has to be sort of a, you know, a, a pot full of a number of mechanisms used to deal with these prisoners, not just throwing them in isolation. All right. So uh, I, my understanding now is that this goes back to the government from the Senate, and it's it's up to them whether they're going to adopt these changes. But it sounds like you think that that obviously that they should. I think they should. I mean, the, the Senate has listened to a number of concerns. I think they've made meaningful changes to the legislation. There are very uh, good organizations involved in making these recommendations. And so I think the government would best to look at this and understand what the ethos is behind it, and then to implement the uh, the bill as it is. And I'm not saying it's necessarily perfect, but this is a good start. And we can see where it goes from here and then what adjustments can be made at the correctional level. All right. Joseph Newberger, thank you for uh, walking us through this issue. My pleasure. Have a great day. You too. You too.